Hey, Analysis listeners! Welcome into the Big Fat Modern Musicals episode. Our conversation when we recorded ended up being so big and so fat that we decided to split it up into two parts for your listening pleasure. So enjoy this episode, which is the 70s, and come on back and finish up with the 80s up until 2019 on our next episode. As always, don't forget to like and subscribe, and thank you for listening. Enjoy! Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. But maybe the right. Okay. All right. I'm good. All right. All right. Welcome back, analysis listeners. Oh my gosh. Welcome yes. back, Hello. Jules. Sai. <laughs> Jules. Oh my god, I'm so. What excited. a big day. I, I'm so. Uh, you don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to welcome in to today's Big Fat Musicals <laughs> podcast number two, someone who is a real-life beauty school dropout. <laughs> I'm not a beauty school dropout. I'm a movie, movie school, school dropout. dropout. <laughs> and at this point, yeah, I'm also a beauty school dropout someone, yeah. because I look like <laughs> death warmed over. Someone who was but... born to hand jive. Someone who kind of kind, kind of. of and someone who <laughs> when it comes to talking musicals, me and her go together like shibbity do but up gibbity boppy up Chang Clang Clang and a clank flop. Jewel Sipes Did you love It's me I'm back You let me back and in And it's your fifth time <laughs> one of the fastest ascension my... ascensions to the five timers club. It's such a joy and an honor. It's the silver lining of this situation that people are listening. I have your cartoon. Your cartoon is made. Oh, my God. I can't even tell you. I cannot even tell you what an honor, uh, what a thrill it is, honestly. I mean, I like. can you hear it in my voice? You're already emotional. It's it's. I'm so, well. I mean, it's it's like two minutes I know. in, not a minute and a half. So, uh, for those who don't know, our podcast once you reach the five timers club, a little like the the way they celebrate it on Saturday Night Live. Uh, we 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 have a, a mini celebration. The way we do it is our cartoonist, our podcast cartoonist, makes a likeness of you, and typically the likeness is the the cartoon that is made is is to whatever your specialty is so bobby peterson's wearing a freddy krueger glove and he has a shining t-shirt on because he likes to talk about yeah. horror movies or jordan harris really likes to talk about sci-fi so he's got a terminator arm uh, but jewel sipes you you like to you come on you talk to us about classic I'm... film so we have you doing yeah. the audrey hepburn breakfast at tiffany's glove <sighs> with the the cigarette with, holder oh my gosh it's such an iconic image well for one i just want to say it's the most glamorous i will ever look and it's such an homage to my all-time favorite movie star human being i mean i'm such a huge fan as anyone 
who knows me can attest. And also, today is Audrey Hepburn's 90th Today is? This birthday. very day that we're recording? Yes. So May, May the 4th. 4th. May the 4th be with you and Audrey Hepburn's birthday. So the fact that I am a shimmering, glowing star <laughs> in the <laughs> I cannot even tell you. As, as soon as I can send that image out, it's going everywhere, no matter who yeah. wants to see it or doesn't People want to see it. People are going to be sick. Of, you're going to be like that person with I, the kids in it, your wallet, <laughs> and you keep showing the wallet. Would you like to see no it? It has nothing to, to do with what we're talking about, yeah. but here it is. Here I am. And it's actually, you know, when you see caricatures, Mimi actually has one that was done for the Detroit Zoo. And when you see caricatures... Um, they're they, generally not they, flattering. Really, no, and they're the same face over and over and over. They just change the accoutrements. This looks like mm-hmm. me. Is my most glamorous. Yes, me, he. Which he definitely to, is. Is very nice when it's it's the counter to what a caricature he's is, kind. right? Yeah, he he takes your he's best kind. features and instead of like here's the one thing about you you hate, let's make fun of it. Yeah, <laughs> so it's almost like the Stocker Channing photo or the the cartoon at the top of Greece to to make this about musicals. How they make her look just like a rat faced awful person. I'm like that's not nice. It's so unflattering with the big turtleneck and mm, all like of that They make her stuff. look terrible, yeah, but actually, they make you look really nice. They, really they do. make you look really nice. If, so, welcome. Which I need in the pandy. Yeah. I need that. Yeah. I need whatever I can I get. I sent a, night, a bunch of photos in your, in your most in your most glamorous state, and so he was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He. Yeah. Very he nice. was so kind to so, me. Great. So now I'm just sending that out whenever I do a Zoom call. That's going to be your I'm little I'm just going to have that up yeah, on the screen. Why not? I mean, why not? Why not? Hardly anyone gets this honor. Hardly anyone. It takes, it takes a lot of time and a lot of hours on the microphone. But we have to transition off the cartoon because we have a loaded baked oh, potato man, of a okay. show today. I hope you have a comfortable <laughs> chair. I hope our listeners have a very comfy seat because we are going to talk about Big Fat Musicals Part 2. And Part 2 meaning... We did Big Fat Musicals Part 1 a couple months ago, and we did from the birth of musicals, which was the jazz singer in the early 1900s, and we brought it all the way up into the 60s. So we talked everything classical, you could put the quotations, classical movies on Big Fat Musicals Part 1. So we are picking up today and finishing our conversation from the 70s up until 2019 because 2020 does not have any movies that are currently being produced so that is where we're going to spend our time today 70s forward again now these are musicals for movies so if you have a favorite musical in the movie wasn't necessarily impactful or relevant we're not going to talk about that today we are strictly speaking about movie musicals and we are also omitting the Disney catalog, because that's going to be a different conversation in the future. So yeah. all Disney is set aside for something else. So are you ready to get started? I am. And can I just say something before you start? Because Absolutely. We, left, we left off in the 60s um, last episode, and I really didn't get to give a shout out to one of my other iconic people, Barbara Jones Streisand, which I can't it's Barbara leave Jones. the, I you can't won't be leave able the to conversation sleep. without her. I really can't. I actually had nightmares about it after I listened to the last one. 
because Funny Girl is 1968 and truly started my my fandom of singing. So, you know, I've got to really give it up for Barbara Joan, for sure. Barbara Joan. So I just wanted to okay. say that, because Funny yeah. Girl, she won the Oscar at 24. She won a Tony at 21 for Funny Girl. Um, an incredible film, and I can't say enough about that. And she did musicals in the 70s that aren't, you know, up for discussion because I'm pretty sure you didn't watch them. So. No, no, we just moved. So that's I, it. Our list is very specific, but yes. <laughs> when I think of Barbara, I think of the Michael, the the Mike Myers sketch on the the coffee talk. And Barbara, it's so I'm a little um, verklempt. Oh, it's oh. <laughs> and then she shows up. Yeah, there's one where she shows up and he loses With his Madonna. Yeah. Oh my God, I could watch that over and over. All right, so we are officially able to get started now into our list. And so we're going to go into the 70s. We're going to start in 1971. And 1971 had two movies that we're going to talk about. One was Willy Wonka and one was Fiddler on the Roof. Which one would you like to start with first, Willy Wonka or Fiddler? I would like to start with Fiddler, I think. Okay. Um... And I think that's mainly because in my film history, it was one of the first films I can remember Grandma and Grandpa taking me to see at the theater, which I probably would have been six. Okay. Um, so these are actually, yeah, that's pretty cool because now we're in the 70s. So these are all movies I, that you've had an experience going that to see. That I, at the first time, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have a very... Um, you know, I have vivid memory of going to see it and it being um, impactful on me because it was um, a way of life that I had never been exposed to before. Um, and Because you're Irish Catholic. Yeah. I, you know, other than Jesus being Jewish, I had no idea what um, the themes of this film were. And so... I was completely intrigued by the... And aside from that, just the music was is incredible. And the, the film is beautiful. It's a wonderful, wonderful film. So, yeah. But it, had, it, it, it has a special place in my heart because I do remember being in the theater and watching it. Back in the day when they still had um, ushers with white gloves and... Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really quite an event. And I remember it also had an intermission, which was another thing that just really wasn't happening in the theater, so in the movie theater. But, um, yeah, it was quite a, an occasion, to be certain. So it was, it was definitely a, a big-budget musical at the time, and in just some of my shitty research that I've done here. <laughs> it took $9 million to make, so you, that's, that was... You know, pretty, by seventy one. In seventy one, that's that's good. It made eighty three million dollars. So I did an inflation calculator to what that would be like today. That would be like making four hundred and ninety million dollars oh in terms God. of uh, gross uh, net. So just it was a huge huge hit, hit. and it yeah for for a, a musical and the, and the musical also was very popular. So the Broadway musical is actually this was the sixteenth longest running musical. Right. ever in the history of Broadway. So it went from 64 to 72, had thousands of performances, uh, and, and just was and a, right a really now, big hit. Yeah. So I this movie it's... comes out in, in... It's back now, but this movie came out in 71, so kind of at the tail end of 
that huge hit. And so, and, and this one also had a little bit, so we talked a little bit about My Fair Lady and, and some of the controversy around recasting from Broadway to screen. This also right. had a recasting with Tevia and uh, Topol. Yes. Yeah, it did have a recasting, um, but it was, um, it, it wasn't met with as much as, as the Audrey, um, the recast, Julie, yeah, Andrews. Julie Andrews. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty much, um, I don't want to say seamless, but, um, that he really did take on that character in a big way, and, um, the rest of the cast was uh, pretty much relatively unknown. Besides um, B. Arthur. Well, he... <laughs> she's the only. Ce- there's no celebrities. I mean, which is there are thing. none. There everyone's, are none. Everyone's appropriately cast, which we everyone's can't say for appro- every musical we're going to talk about today. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, the other part of Fiddler on the Roof that I say a lot is that you really start to get into the grit of uh, the 70s. So it's not opulent. It's not, the beauty is in the landscapes. Um, Similar to Sound of Music, she's running out into the fields. Mm -hmm. And um, with Fiddler on the Roof, you don't get that same sense of the land on stage that you do in the film. It's a very... um, cinemascope kind of effect that's going on in the film that you wouldn't get with the stage but it's it has um a darkness to it that is it's yeah it's tough to talk about it's it's tough to make fun of even it's tough to tease like it's almost easier to to tease Les Mis than it is to tease I totally (laughs) I totally agree with you because there's um there's a lot of pain. There's, I, I mean, not that Les Mis doesn't have it, but it's sort of farther away for some reason. I just, this film um, is in, and we just have to keep reiterating that as the musical progresses forward into the 70s, we're going through Vietnam, we're going through watching war on TV, Eventually, we're going to be going into Watergate. So the things that we're seeing in film, even when they're musical, are dealing with more uh, difficult subjects and yeah. have a definite um, darkness to them. And even the when Jewish they're happy. Community, yeah, the Jewish yes. community has had a lot of strife. And Abs- that's... No kidding. <laughs> I'm not... I'm not... That's why it's... It's it's tough to cut because there's some cheesy things that happen in this movie, but it's also but and it's and it's so rooted in their tradition and, tradition. and throw so that tradition through the character of Tevia, you see that's that's the the foundation of how you get through the strife and all and the oppression is you have yeah. these 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 cultural traditions that are binding and so this this story and this is the first time I've ever seen the story and I watched it today, whether it was a, a film or a, I've never seen a, a stage version of this, but um, the, the story is about kind of changing and, and the culture is changing and the youth is changing and he's so he's so grounded in his traditions, but he's kind of breaking some of those traditions in, in the new world and it's also dealing with the, the oppression coming from Russians and, yes. and, and, and you know it's dealing with young love and stuff, but really just kind of 
a changing world around you and especially somebody that's so grounded in your tradition and and that's really the the central theme of the story that is the theme and that's the fiddler on the roof and coping with that change is that is that you're only as strong as your traditions and that's what's keeping the fiddler from falling off the roof is the stability of the tradition and so you know, he, through his little bit of comic relief, which he does have tremendous delivery. Great of body comic. language. I love yeah. the line at the top where he's like, how did we, how did this tradition come to form? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, Jewish it's people. It's not to question. In not this, to I don't question. think this is necessarily a closed-minded thing, but Jewish people have, have always been known for their dry, sarcastic wit. Right. That's just... Well, you you go through a lot for since the beginning of time, and if you don't develop a sense of humor, you might as well, you know, throw in the towel. Yeah. But I think that the main thing about um, about his character is that he's so strong. Like you see him so strong in the beginning. No, 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 no change. No, this is not going to happen, and he. You see him move ever so much, um, so much more than everybody else that's in the community. And he's trying to get other people on board with moving, giving in a little bit more. And, um, you know, when his daughter, um, you know, the ultimate betrayal with his daughter, that's the part that's, Mm -hmm. you know, heartbreaking. When he's like, that's enough, I, I can't. I can't do anymore. It's mm-hmm. I've I've given enough. So, um, yeah, it's I. There is not a single one of my friends of Jewish faith that is not a huge fan of the stage and and this film. So that's interesting that you say yeah. that because in general, and I think I've I've talked to people and in, in, in certain people that are movie fans but aren't fans of musicals, and I think something that's that's constantly passed around in these conversations is that. I maybe respect the merit of a musical, but it, it just doesn't really read. Like in a play where, where you're able to have a soliloquy or you're having a musical moment, it just makes more sense just aesthetically when it's on stage versus film is a very realistic format or forum for things. So just the surrealism of a musical doesn't necessarily match well with a with with a screen performance and so sometimes right. there's a hard time with the translation there but i always i've always respected the merit and you know i think that what i tell those people that are against musicals sometimes is you know you can really effectively portray emotion um or a moment with a character's thoughts through song i think it just the music provides such a great emotion and and so i think there's a lot of great things that happen with musicals but when i was watching this it was like oh this is definitely made for the stage and they are adapting it to to the the film film. but i thought it was adapted pretty well to to your point with the cinematography john williams adapted the score which is which is kind of crazy that just like for one of john williams first movies first first um yeah first symphonies that he did for that and then um there, I've seen the stage production several times, and um, as you said, translating the things, um, the dream, you know, when she has the dream, the dream sequence. Aspect, and he's getting strangled and, by the ghosts. 
Yeah, I mean, like that's all an ensemble that. mo- moment, right? That's a moment Absolutely. that probably you've got the little bed, and I can see the staging of it on on Broadway right now. But they're trying to make it work in in a movie, you in know? and being very large, but at the same time not being um, ridiculous. I mean, they really traveled that. They went to Croatia line. to do it. Yeah. They went to Croatia to to do the to have some of those moments or the the landscape that, and you can feel it. I mean, you can really feel in the light, and yeah. you can you can feel through the mood of the film. Um, but it's there are moments in the film where if it were handled in a different way, it could have absolutely been disastrous. Yeah. So it was I really like... very well. The, the the wedding scene where the guys are dancing with the it, bottles on their head. It's breathtaking. Do you yeah. think that they have if is is it screwed on their head or is are they actually balancing? <laughs> I like to think maybe they're just balancing. Um, you know what? Actually, costumes, actually, but. there was a choreographer who was um, speaking about that particular scene and how that was inspired by a wedding that he had actually attended. And that they, they were truly doing that. And That's incredible. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure that um, there are different levels where they are glued on and some where they aren't. But yeah. yeah, every production I've seen on stage has been community theater and also um, a high school production. And I'm pretty sure in those cases, the bottles were glued on there. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 But the uh, yeah, so you know, it's it. You've got some some famous songs. If 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 people aren't familiar with the music, the if I were a rich man. Yeah. Sampled by Gwen Stefani. Yeah, she samples. She samples. She samples the 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 shepherd song. Dido, Dido. Yeah, she's got the musical bug. But then it it's also got matchmaker, 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 and sunrise, sunset. The first time it's... I ever heard the matchmaker was Robin Williams is getting makeover f- by Harvey Firestein oh, in God. Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire. And the nose is too big, so he looks Jewish. And they give oh, him a shawl. God. And they both sing matchmaker. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm not a huge montage fan. And that's ironic because we're about to talk about montages all the live long day. But oh. um, I love that montage in Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. I love it. It's and like, it's God, I look like Yentl. But uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah, the last thing I'll say on it is it's three hours long. So it's not an easy watch. I it's, And it's and, and like we said, it, it's it's got some heavier, darker themes. It's heavy. They keep it moving. And it very much reads like a three-act play. They focus on the three daughters. And so I, I will say that it, it runs tighter in terms of the story. There's not a lot of wasted space. There's just some really big dance numbers and song numbers that that it's a, it's a large how, story and then they they bake in a lot of uh, songs with it as well so that it leads to how a long would you think that mo- that wedding scene is it's yeah that that, wedding it's at least long. a half hour yeah yeah so so yeah well well done well shot um just a little bit of trivia that just shocked me but the Tevia Topol when he shot that movie was only 36 and he looks like a 74 Isn't year old it? man I know so, it's crazy right he's got he some was city miles on his face he was but. a kid for sure yeah um, but so but completely owned that role which um you know like Liza my Liza in mm-hmm. cabaret I mean she took 
that role and owned it, owned it for the rest of the existence of Cabaret, basically. Yeah. So, so it's his defining role for sure. We're going to move on from our fiddler on the roof and into Willy Wonka. What are just some, some quick thoughts you have about that American classic? Well, let me just say, going down memory lane, I also saw this in the theater as a kid on a school field trip, and we had read the book Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. When I was in school, our teacher read it to a chapter or so to us every day, and then we went to go see the film. And... I, once again, I mean, love, love the film, still love the film. Um, I, a lot of times when I've read books and then seen them on film, you know, that whole thing, it's just you, it either doesn't do for you what it should, or the people don't look like they should, or whatever it is. But um, I, I loved this production. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've actually Mr. seen... Wilder. Yes, and that's the part of it that um, when they originally were casting Willy Wonka, it was originally going to be Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, as the book is called. But when they got Gene Wilder, he really became that mm-hmm. that central figure, so they did change It just sounds title. better, Willy Wonka oh, and the for Chocolate sure. Factory. I think it has for, a better sure. flow to it. In yeah. Willy Wonka's fun alliteration... And he's the character that everyone is, he's, he has so much mystery around him. It's, and I just think it's better. I think, I just think it works better. In my I think it does too. And I think that I, I'm, we would have to look this up in, in, at a later time, but I'm sure that Raul Dahl went with it. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just sure gonna. I'm not up. even gonna look it up. I'm just gonna say he did. I mean, he had I, to, right? I, yeah, because, um, he, that, the treatment of all the characters, it was just so spot on. And Gene Wilder's performance is, is there's no one else that could be Willy Wonka other than Gene Wilder. No pun intended here, but there's so many sweet songs. The Candyman oh. can. That's not even a Willy Wonka song. It isn't. No. That's the uh-uh. that, that weird guy in the in the candy shop, right? Yeah. It's it's the it's it's very mm-hmm. British. Yeah. That guy in the candy shop, the kids, the 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 backdrop, the scenery is I um it's very English. Do you and... know what I love and it's almost Monty Python about this is there is an element at the beginning of the movie when they're using the news broadcasts almost yes. like sketch comedy. Absolutely. And it's it kills me when I watched it. I was watching it with some of my sketch friends a few years ago and it was like when uh, they're giving the news reports, you're, like, "Ma'am, your your wife is being held hostage," and he's like, "Oh, I'll pay whatever I want." And they're like, I "They just want your want Wonka, my bars. Wonka bar." And they go, they like, there's a slow zoom on his face, and he's like, "Oh, she, she's not going to pay the, the ransom because so ma- <laughs> the ransom's the Wonka bar." That's so Monty Python. Yeah, I mean, it's that's, that that dry English humor, but that very dry British humor. They add and... some like adult humor in there, which is pretty funny. Um, yeah, I I remember that there was um, Sammy Davis released a, a single of Candyman. The co- candy companies came out with Willy Wonka candy, so there was a lot of stuff that went along with this film. But it really holds up well, and it's yeah. um, 
it it does appeal on on all levels and i still watch it now so um oh it, yeah uh, it's definitely still yeah. rewatchable kids can still watch it and love it even though the the dated aesthetic of it but i love that scene when he's coming out when you first see willie and he's walking so slow as the deathly silent and then the cane gets stuck and he takes three or four steps and there's that that gasp and then he does the the, 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 the barrel roll and, and everyone gets up screaming and it's just like you have no idea whether you can trust this guy it's it just completely sets the or tone for this you're thinking is yeah. he's the just just this decrepit old man or who is this i mm-hmm. mean it builds that suspense well, and you just I don't know whether remember... you can trust him or not. It's it's it begins that, that that whole movie of like, is this is this a game? What is is this the actual uh, what I'm going through right now? I I just I love that that little moment. The mystery, mm-hmm. yeah, and the pure imagination when he sings that. Um, that's I, I, that's my favorite mm-hmm. song in the film. But mm-hmm. um, well, and let's not I, the Oompas. Like, we haven't even talked about Oompa Loompas. <laughs> well, they come up in conversations um, when we refer to certain things. I, I, there are all kinds of uh, things that I can attribute to Oompa Loompas. But, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're, they're really, um, they're memorable, yeah. to say the least. Very... And there's that rascally uh, behavior that he has like you would say untrustworthy there's always this feeling in Raul Dahl's material that adults are to be questioned yeah. and suspected stink. all of them yeah like yeah. in Matilda I don't know the if you remember are, the watching twits, Matilda the twits yeah. are terrible yeah and so fantastic Mixer Fox all the farmers and the... Uh, it's just always you should be really suspicious you're trained all your life you're supposed to respect your elders but Raul Dahl was saying you know what not not always and then it it turns out that that Willy Wonka is you know a kid himself and you know that end the end of the film when he you're thinking he's turning on Charlie um and Charlie gives back the Godstopper that is that is some brilliant acting going on right there with Gene. He's just he can traverse those different moods so quickly. So I really so Yeah, it is so good. And Charlie is brilliant that all of the kids were brilliantly yeah. cast. Yeah. And you think about how uh nonsensical the film is, but the the themes are so deeply um rooted in logic and and um rules to live by as a kid so yeah, yeah all those kids per, all those kids see what happens have a different character trait common within little kids that can that's be, obnoxious could, yeah and that you want to yeah and they're all these rotten little kids in their own very specific way but can manifest through any sort of yeah, child. Yeah, I so, want it now, Daddy. Yeah. The, the the spoiled kid, the the kid that watches too much the TV, TV kid, the girl which we who's have that always now. eating or eating junk food. Yeah, she's a glutton. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? Augustus. Augustus is a glutton. Yeah. So and the gum chewer. Yeah, she's just the candy girl. Yeah, but uh, yeah, she's just. Um, they're all these like not the seven deadly sins, but they carry all of these. Mm-hmm qualities and charlie ends up 
being, you know, the the right. Now you know the, the internet right has has now recently backlashed and gone full internet on Grandpa Joe. There's memes. He's he's basically up there with Carol Baskin in terms of one of the <laughs> worst people on the internet right now. What? What? Because what? people. Even John Mulaney has a whole bit about, like, Grandpa Joe could dance around this whole time, but he's sitting and he's, like, everyone's just waiting on him. And and, and John Mulaney oh. does a much better job, that, you know, displaying the humor and the observation than I do. But he says, you know, and then he decides he's going to go to the, as soon as Charlie gets the, the <laughs> ticket, he decides he wants to go and he lifts the world's worst smelling duvet and starts <laughs> hopping around. But, yeah, so the internet doesn't he, like Grandpa Joe anymore. Well, so. I think that a little hidden thing in there might be that all of those people in bed are suffering from depression. And the fact that he has hope of getting out of the house and doing something other than eating cabbage water brings yeah. him to his feet. But he also does talk Charlie into not telling the truth in order to... Yeah. The fizzy, in order the to fizzy inherit and in, inherit the thing, you know, he's like, let's do the fizzy lifting drinks. Then they do. Then they get away with it. Then they get in trouble. And Grandpa Joe kind of goes along with all of that. Grandpa Joe's a So now I shirt. am with Carol Baskin. All right. Wait well, we don't have time to break down. Up. We don't have time to break down Grandpa <laughs> Joe. We need to keep moving. We need to get to 72, which is Cabaret. Yes. Winner of Best Actress, Best Director for Bob Fosse, Best Actress yes. for Liza Minnelli, and Best Supporting Actor for Joel Grey. This yes. is more of a, a dance movie than a song movie. But what are some it's of your a, thoughts on Cabaret? My thoughts on Cabaret are this. I Obviously, I was too little to see Cabaret in the theater. And to be honest with you, I don't even know if Grandma and Grandpa saw Cabaret in the it's theater. It's pretty sexy. I don't think it's, it's very sexy. Kind of that, that was one thing I was going to say. It's very... Um, it's very modern to watch, which is common for Fosse. Um, it's gritty. Once again, 70s grit. Dealing with um, the Nazis. Nazis. Um, and the thing that people don't realize about Cabaret is the original stage production. Sally Bowles is not a talented uh, singer or dancer. She's, she's really living with her charms. And so the fact that they didn't cast Liza Minnelli on Broadway she wanted cabaret really badly and they said no um she had already had a show at 16 i think she had won a tony at 19 and she wanted sally bowles and they said no because sally bowles is not supposed to be big talent mm-hmm. which obviously liza minnelli is but once she she said it's okay don't worry about it i'll get the movie which she did and she changed that role for everybody pretty much i think everybody kind of goes in the same sally bowles direction as liza does and um she i thought she was incredible in it but i've seen liza in a lot of different movies and liza does liza i mean you see her in a sterile cuckoo which she won an oscar for i think and then you see her in movies after that, Arthur, mm-hmm. and she's done a lot of films. And Liza is 
an entity of herself. So you do rarely, you don't see Liza go off of that, that track of Sally Bowles. She pretty much is in there. Um, and Joel Gray was in the original Broadway production. They brought him along. I love that He won that the Tony brought. for the yes, MC as well. for the yeah. MC. And the MC role has changed a lot through its different iterations. Do you know who else played Sally Bowles in London is Judy Dench. Really? And she did a more realistic, sort of more true to the character Sally Bowles. But um, anyway, so Liza, uh, the movie itself, I... I love the movie um i love the pacing of it i i love how it was staged i loved how it was filmed um it's dark i mean i don't break it out on a saturday and say hey kids let's watch cabaret and then watch fiddler on the roof i just don't (laughs) those are tough hangs (laughs) these they're tough gigs i just don't do it that often so I rewatched Cabaret, and I just, the themes are universal and very modern, and they, um, I, yeah. I think it's, it's a great film. It is, it is challenging. It's also just the metaphor allegory behind it. I, I always, I, that, that's the thing that hit me the most, because it's on the AFI Top 100, right. and I think it's mostly due to the, the direction of the movie. But I think just as it shows the the Nazis' infiltration in terms of art and what its impact had, because the cabaret very much starts off as this almost protest to the Nazi movement. And as the, as the Nazis take more and more hold of Germany, the, the numbers become more and more selectively racist or uh, bigoted. And, you know, you even have the the whole bit with the, the monkey and, and right, all of that right. going on. And, and then right. obviously the, the last number of the cabaret is kind of everything is is going full Nazi. And, and I'm sure I've, I've seen the images of the, the Nazi flag coming down at the uh, end of the stage production. But uh, it's the, and, the whole audience. And it's audience. the art imitating yeah. life. But the whole yeah. audience is, is Nazi officers. So, right, where at the beginning they're the kicking one his ass Nazi and kicking officer, him out. Yeah, but then they come and they kill the, they come and they, I don't know if they kill him. I think they might the owner mm-hmm. of the the bar for kicking out the Nazis. So it's like yeah. might rate makes right. And then the one scene where they're with um, the very wealthy gentleman and they're on the road and they stop at this beer garden and that young man stands up and and sings this. Um, this anthem that used to represent this this beautiful Germany and then it turns out to be this Nazi youth rally that's so horrible mm-hmm. and you just it's it's painful it's painful yeah. to say the least but and how um, Sally just you know she's just going with it she's just She's just going right along with yeah. it, and Michael York. Michael York gets out. He Basil you know, Brian leaves. Yeah, but um, and they they also um, examine sexual themes that you know musicals weren't. They weren't doing. Music no. Man wasn't. Music Man no. wasn't doing threesomes. No. <laughs> yeah. So you know it was it was ahead of its time in that way, and. Um, you know, 
do you feel it belongs in the AFI? I yeah, I, I haven't seen like thirty or forty of them left still, but it's it's just a definitely influential. And again, it's it's Bob Fosse who is this huge influence in terms of dance numbers. And as we continue to roll through this list, his his influence is felt long after. So I think yeah, given given its its themes its production value, everything else like that, and just its impact on music theater, I, I would say, sure, why not? It's not something that I'm going to die on a hill saying it shouldn't be on there. Right, right. And I think that there, the imagery um, was ahead of its time, which is often it's used again and again. For example, they're in the limousine going through town, having this discussion about frivolity and drinking champagne. And meanwhile, there's dead bodies in the street and there's Nazi flags everywhere. And it's just this, um, it's going in slow motion. And you see those kind of um, themes being used in film now or through, you know, the 70s, 80s on through where I don't think they used that kind of powerful imagery before that. So... Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, well, let's keep the... driving through those streets. Yes. Sorry. Let's keep driving through those streets. <laughs> Segway. We're going to do something a little more fun and have a little less death in it. Just only a little Thanks. bit less death. Just but a little bit. 1975 Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes. Yes. Let's do the time warp. I'm all Julie. about it. Let's I'm do all the about time it. warp again. Oh God! I honestly, I I've got to tell you that um, that movie came out in '75. I yep. started watching Rocky Horror with friends and hopefully li- listeners. I hope they're listening. Um, uh, so you said started... you said threesomes hadn't really been done before cabaret. Yes. What about forty yeah, sums? What about <laughs> this movie was like cabaret? Hold my beer, right? Oh, hold my beer. But okay, so while you're saying I go over here. You and your friends. I, I, we would get. It was the Comic Con. I'm gonna say it was the TikTok, the Comic Con of teenage times. In the early 80s, my friends and I would dress in full, you know, the Transylvanians, the people that were at the convention. We would get in full gear and we would go every weekend to one of three theaters and we would see this every weekend. And it was just, it was an, an event. It was a happening. I mean, all the things that you read about with Rocky Horror were happening at this little theater in Gross Point, which I'm sure they were very annoyed by it, and a theater in Southfield, and then I think we went to see it um, at another place in Detroit. But um, one occasion, my friend David, who's probably listening, hello, David. David, hello. Thank you for listening. Um, He and I, he reminded me of this. the Rocky Horror Show came live to the Royal Oak Music Theater, and he and I got dressed to the nines, and we went to attend this production, and they let us in for free because we were that great looking. Wow. Yeah. We were Free we were admission. We were of the costumes. <laughs> we were committed, Bob. And I've seen it. 
I've seen it um, on stage in England. I've seen it um, in different iterations. But and I also, when I moved to England, I bought the VHS. Yeah, way back in the day, wow. and I would watch it at home. And I think I maybe watched it three times, and it just. It's obviously not the same as. So if somebody are you still throwing stuff at the screen? Are you still throwing rice? No, and that's that's the thing that's so weird about it is um, I heard more dialogue sitting at home watching it. I the narrator I heard more of Charles Gray narration because people um, aren't screaming because people weren't screaming or I wasn't screaming. screaming. And I wanted the screaming. So I was talking to David about it, and I said, you know, I just can't go down that road unless I'm there with 400 yeah. other people it's jumping around. It's So I've also performed in this. I Not not in any sort of... It, it's So a lot of times, if you guys aren't familiar, Rocky Horror is super hilarious and campy. Yes. But oftentimes, yes. especially around Halloween, a, a cast will enact the movie in front of the movie screen playing and just be live actors kind of lip syncing with dialogue and in in songs it's happening. like tiktok yeah it's like tiktok it's just like tiktok <laughs> and so it's it was pre-tiktok it was the original like pre-tiktok it but, was the original TikTok. yeah so i was brad majors and so oh. i would i was in my underpants i think oh, i so- did 4,000 sit-ups every day to try to, to get ready for to it be ready. throughout the month of October. But it was, it was so fun, and it was honestly one of the most thrilling things. Not that they're cheering for you, but Brad and Janet are the first two actors to come out yes. during the yes. movie. So there's a there's someone that plays the lips at the top of the movie, but then, damn it, Janet's the first song, which yes. was one of the songs that I did. So walking out, and, and we used to do it uh, for APO, for our theater fraternity, we used to do it as a fundraiser, and we rent out this old classic movie theater, and hundreds of people would show up. It was the only How fundraiser. How did I not know this? It was the only what fundraiser we did all year, and it, it would pay for everything we were going to do for the, the year in terms of uh, theater fundraising. But um, I came out, and it was just like st- just so much energy, just screaming and excitement like coming at you. I just hadn't felt anything like that uh, before, and, and really I've had trouble finding since but it, it, there's nothing like and it, it was just so like fun it. and 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 then you know being somebody that goes to the audience now i like to 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 think about some some jokes to to yell during during time and yeah you, you update them um the one i would always have is there's there's an there's a, a point where they open up a casket and there's a, a bunch of bones like a skeleton in there and so i i would stand and yell hey everyone look it's heath ledger and then they would open up <laughs> the the thing and it would be a bag of bones and and everyone would be like oh and then i go what is he here and that was my little and i, and I stole that <laughs> that from was my, your con- your yeah. contribution because you know it's like a too soon joke a heath ledger oh, joke exactly. and then and then, and then the rebuttal, what, is, is heath ledger's parents here but so i stole that from my friend andrew um but yeah there's there's always you know that fucking bird that stepped on your face and all the all the stuff that has been said over the years but said over the years it's an and experience then it, it can always be updated but i honestly bob i had no idea that you did that yeah, or maybe my underpants I did, but I... and it's it That's was fun so to great. to improvise the the orgy and um, oh my I go, god i've gone it's in chicago it's such a happening it's so such fun. a happening so if you guys have and not you know, gone to one go to one 
Yeah, and I know that they recently have done it at the main art and um, for Halloween. And I said to Meme, I said, you know what? I'll get you ticket. You should go. You should go. And She's already got this. the red hair. She's already and dyed she her hair like magenta. No. Magenta. <laughs> And she said, um, "You got meatloaf said, no, in there." Mom. Oh, meatloaf! I mean, I the casting is brilliant, and I was I was talking to my friend David. Tim Curry, God of God of sex, God of I, God of music theater. You that role cannot be played by. I don't care who's doing it. They did it live on TV. Pitch. Didn't they do it live on TV? Yeah, they did it on live on they TV. They tried I can't to do it on. Was Tim Curry? I, I can't. It. I can't do. Tim Curry is Frankenfurter. He is that that role, and he, um, uh, Susan Sarandon and Barry Bostwick and um, David was telling me that they were thinking of originally casting Steve Martin as Brad. Oh, which that, that would have worked. And I was. It, it could have worked, but but Barry was just that. Only um, assholes right on door. Sorry. Oh my God! It's so. Let me tell you, um, I it brings back so many great memories to me, and uh, I'm so thrilled that you're part of that that yeah, experience. I'm in the club because, and once again, you're thinking you're doing it. So you were in college, so. How many years later? I think it's the longest, it's the biggest cinematic. What is the longest running? What are the stats on this? Oh, as I don't far know. as how much money it's made. Oh, yeah. And it, um, the, the, it's just the themes are so universal that it just never stops. It can just keep going and keep yeah. going. It's so funny that. You're partying to that in the 80s. And in the 80s. Here I am, early 80s. 2008 yes. in my underpants. Yes, in your underpants. Exactly. That's what the I'm same saying. Way. Don't and dream it. Be it. I mean, it's all about. And you're thinking about when it came out in 75 mm-hmm. and it was a total flop. Total flop. Yeah. Um, that mm. And Richard O'Brien, Riff Raff, he had written that. He wrote Rocky Horror. He wrote the lyrics. He wrote this thing. And that's the only thing he ever wrote in his entire life. So it's his. That was what he was born yeah. to do. Get but, your art um, out there, people. Exactly. Exactly. Who cares but if 75. Says you're crazy? 75, if you think about all of these themes and everything that now is, is, um, by society is no one's clutching their pearls over it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just we've you know, we've got to think to ourselves we've we've come a little bit of a way. Yeah. You know, we've we have progressed. But um yeah, I love every I love that meatloaf's I love everything about it. As yeah. you can tell, I'm enthusiastic about Flawless it. Flawless movie and, and also, that's one that should be on the 100. I think it should. For sure it should. I honestly, for its cultural contributions, but I, you know, the other thing I want to say is I want to wax poetic about um, Tim Curry because there's another movie that we're going to talk about when we get into the early 80s that he's in, and that movie totally sucked if it weren't for Tim Curry. Like, everything he's in brings up the, the level. Yeah. Of entertainment for me. Even when he's in that Home Alone 3 or whatever. 
It's Tim Curry. Home Alone it's all 2. About Tim Large Curry. pizza. Okay, so. Compliments of the Plaza Hotel. He's just... Oh, he's a treasure. I can't... Oh, the best. And, and um, yeah, I have a lot of stories about Rocky Horror. There's just not enough time. Not we enough could time. do a whole, a whole episode. We're going to be in the time um, warp, but... Yeah. We're going to be in a time warp, for right. sure. And I'd be happily going. Give the bloody rubbers to Magenta. She knows what to do with them. We need to keep moving. We need to keep on moving. And if you don't know the reference, go out to a theater. Then check it out. you gotta, you gotta go. You got, and don't, you guys, you can get it on Blu-ray. Do yourself a favor and do your, go and Just find go a good it. audience yeah. and see it. Yeah. It's really not the same. film. The film. The it's film. all about the film. Yeah. So, Not the stage production. You had said that thousands and millions and billions of people have watched Rocky Horror. Let's talk about the most watched musical in all of cinema history, an absolute staple, 1978, Grease. Grease is the word. Grease is Greece the word. Grease is, is the word. The word. The can word. we talk about Grease? Do you, can we, do we're we have it. time to talk about Grease? Yeah, I honestly, um, let's, let's, let's really we, give Grease its time because it's honestly, I think it's what most people are here to hear and listen to hear about. about. So let's, let's okay. really get into Grease and we'll clean okay. up the 80s and 90s uh, relatively quick. quickly. But let's yeah. give Grease its due. Okay, so I also saw Grease in the theater with, um, with your mom. Um, 1978, so I would have been in eighth grade, and, um, I was, you know, I was smitten, like the rest of the world. I was smitten. Now, keep in mind, I want to tell you just a couple things, because you've seen it in a different generation. So, John Travolta had just done Saturday Night Fever, which I was too young to see at the theater because it was rated R. But the world was dominated by that soundtrack. And John Travolta was also in a little comedy that Quentin Tarantino loves truly called Welcome Back, Cotter. Mm -hmm. And he was a huge, huge star on the rise. And then Grease just took him, catapulted him into the cinema firmament. I mean, this guy could do nothing wrong. He, he was everywhere, and it was, um, he was originally not supposed to be Danny Zuko. It, uh, it was supposed to be um, Jeff Conaway, who Jeff, plays Kanicki. He plays Kanicki, the tragedy he of Jeff Conaway. Yeah, he was, he was as cute as a bug, may he rest in peace. And he, he was the original Danny Zuko. And then when they got to the, you know, when they got to the film and they're like, I, my God, look at this guy in Saturday Night Fever. Who can say no? But um, the bringing on of Olivia Newton-John, who was also on the, the star, on the rise kind of thing, that part of it I struggle with. But before I go on and on, I want to hear your your youthful thoughts. Yeah. Well, your your take. Here are some of the things, because I just rewatched this this week, and I just was trying to allow myself to be surprised by things. Or if things popped up that I thought were interesting, I tried to jot them down. So the first thing I really said, and let, let's do some house cleaning here. This is the highest grossing film of the year in 1978. It had a $6 million budget, and it made $349 million in 1978. So with that my crazy. inflation calculator, 
that basically means $1.38 billion in today's money. That so is that's nuts. like, yeah, that's like Avengers money. That's how many people went to see Greece. And I just thought, so first of all, the interesting thing, one of the interesting things that, that popped out to me uh, recently was that in this movie, in, in general, when you think about high school movies, and, and a lot of these musicals deal with high school and stuff like that, but when you think about high school movies, typically the jocks and cheerleaders are the cool ones, and then there's like the the, the antagonists are like the rebels and the outcasts, but really it's the, the counterculture, the rebels are the cool ones. The pink ladies and the T-birds the yeah. are... The cool ones and the the squares are the football players that like the three sport athletes and the chick that's uh, Patty Simcox and stuff Patty like that. Simcox, they're the, they're yeah. the lame brains, right? They're looked yeah. at as the losers. So that was always interesting. The second thing that Turn. popped out to me was, and and this was something that we talked about a little bit with West Side Story, another high school movie, but. The rivals, the, the the gang names. I always think the rival names are cooler than the the the, the actual stories uh, gang's name. Like I think that the Sharks is a way cooler name than the Jets, and I think yes. the Scorpions is a way cooler <laughs> name <laughs> than the T Birds. Am I? Uh no, it is. It is way cooler. Scorpions no, is I way total, cooler. It's totally. It's um. But that's a perspective change because T birds yeah, is I, like yeah, like white I, birds on the back of your. I think a, a big scorpion on the back of a leather coat. I it think would be cool. so much cooler. So, right. So those were a few of my first instincts. But as as you kind of watch it, especially when we're talking about the scorpions, I also think it's funny how little of an F this movie gives to the age of the people that they're casting. Because Stalker Channing's like a 40-year-old lady. Oh, oh my She's God. She's like I, an okay. old lady. That's, <laughs> this is what I wanted to And the scorpion guy, Crater Face, is like a 60-year-old man. Uh, He's like, what is... This guy's clearly not in I, high school. I swear to God. I swear to God. These are the, the... When I talk to younger people about this, I say, do they seem old to you? <laughs> Yeah. Does this seem like these are the oldest high school students yeah. you've ever seen in your life? Stocker Channing clearly could be a housewife. She in, she could be Danny's mom. She could be Danny's mom. Yeah. Absolutely. So, but you know what? I've got to tell you, she's the, one of the strongest. She's the best part. In that she's, film. The she's the best character. The best one. She's the best character, and and she I think, goes through the most. And she has the most adult reactions to things. Yeah. So when Rizzo's coming out and she's she's painted as the town whore it's, and yeah, she's the pregnant, fancy. the young the young yeah. pregnant lady, and she does that. And 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 when I was watching the movie, I was like, oh, that's why they they made sure to have Stacker Channing, even though she's forty. I think she's in her early 30s when they filmed the movie, but they were like, because she can sing this song and, and, and really nail it, that, that's the worst thing I could do. But she decides, yeah. this is my thing. I have to fight through it. I've made decisions. I have to live with the the, the consequences of them. The consequences, And And yeah. I need to be a stronger person. Versus Sandy, who just goes, I've had some trouble. I'm going to absolutely personality change for the sake of this man <laughs> that I'm dating. And I just think... I- it, it's not a message that's aged that, well? It isn't. It hasn't aged well at all. And I I think that that's, um, 
what's refreshing about how kids have matured is, you know, when my 16-year-old turns to me and says, wait, this is completely wrong. Why is this happening? And what makes me mad is that it's in the late 70s. I mean, they should really know better at this point. I can see if it truly is the 50s that this film, if it truly was was Sandra D. But it's in the 70s, and I think that that that's when I get frustrated is when racial themes and when feminist themes aren't, you know, they're not doing their job. And I, and I know well, that speaking it is, of racial I, themes, there's not a single black person sing- in this movie that's not in the band <laughs> during hand jives. It's, it's so... Where it's are the, the white people? Where are the black people the at right now? It's the film. It's the whitest film. And the other part is, or, okay, Julie, I, when they go to the, the pep rally and they are lynching the other team's mascot yes. and burning it, and I'm like, this yeah. is the 50s. Like, people were actually probably being, being lynched at this time in the <laughs> South. Like, it's I'm not trying to be funny. It's, it's just like... Horrifying. Come it's on, horrifying. Greece. But... Come on. Let's get back to the You should know fun. better. Let's get back. But that's... So yeah. what I was going to say about... And, you know, people are probably like, it's a musical, you guys. Yeah, Cut it. Get can over you lighten it. up a little? Well, so I'm going to lighten up and I'm going to say, okay. I, I'm just going to say this one more thing about realism in this musical where the car drives up into the yes, sky. Yes, correct. The car does float I, away okay, into so, the sky. <laughs> so, Let's get off our I, high horse. <laughs> So I just want to say that Rydell High, I'm trying to figure out where the hell it is because it oh my looks God. like it's California, but Kaniki and, and Danny Zuko are the only two from Brooklyn in this whole entire... I'm trying to the figure out The stage version why. is supposedly set in Chicago because I had this exact same conversation. I'm like, it's got to be Brooklyn, <laughs> right? Because they talk like they're in Brooklyn, but it's basically supposed to be anywhere USA. That's kind of... It's supposed to be any That's, place. It's almost like Springfield in The Simpsons. Like right. It's supposed to be just anywhere. Right. But the the stage version was set in Chicago, but the, the there's definitely some characterization where they they sound like they're in New York. Like, Frenchie sounds like very distinctly has a has a and, regional accent. Uh, well, really, the it's what it, I, I guess it's that the, the, the tough kids are going to have, that's their accent is going to be, that's considered the tough. But, um, and then when they bring in Sandy... Um, from Australia, and she's just kind of lowered in from Danny, Australia. Danny, Danny, <laughs> she doesn't say Danny. And I thought, Danny. I thought, you know what? She's just the cutest thing, guys. I mean, everybody was freaking out about how cute Olivia Newton-John was. Also in her thirties. But, but I, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, this is such a stretch. But once again, as I said, they're driving this guy, the car yeah. into the sky at the end. So. What am I? What am I to say? It was a huge hit. It. Um... It's the biggest hit. It's the biggest hit, and it still is is super relevant culturally. I'm gonna ask you for best song here, and I'm gonna give you some nominees, and I want you to pick your okay. favorite song. Okay. Okay. Let's have some yeah. more fun here. Let's get off. Okay. How insensitive. Let's get off our is. high horse. Yeah. The movie is a little insensitive, but it was also a lot of fun. Uh, so. Yeah. Best song. <laughs> you got summer nights. Walla walla walla. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hand jive, born to hand jive, grease lightning, and yeah. you're the one that I want. You are the one I want. Um. Okay. Or beauty I school dropout, if you want to add that. Beauty school drop. I love. Actually, as I've gotten older, a beauty school dropout is my favorite scene in the film for some reason. I love that Frankie Avalon comes down from the sky. 
is an angel. I love his performance of that song. But um, I'm going to say Summer Lovin' is probably my favorite. And it's not because I do it a lot for karaoke. It's because... Siren. You know, it's just the setup of the, you know, it gives the whole... Yeah. It gives the mood and of it's the, the film. fun. It's the fun of, it's fun. of each side of the story. The, the guy groups. is over exaggerating. She's exactly whisked away in the romance. So inappropriately, Grease Lightning. It's just once you and I have talked about this that you know I tend to pick the songs where I'm singing. Yeah, and I'm not singing Grease Lightning. You're not in that number. Because it's it violates women all the time through yeah. the, all the lyrics in that song. So, yeah, no, and I I do love "You're the One That I Want," and that was a huge hit when I was a kid. That was a huge huge single. I got chills. They're multiplying. God, did I love that John Travolta? When well, she puts the heel, up, she puts the heel up happened? on his face and kicks him mm-hmm. over. And, uh, Tell me about it, stuff. They t- yeah. they teach her how to put the. Here's something I'll say. Uh. It's interesting that each pink lady definitely has their own personality and character oh. traits. And outside of Kaniki and Danny, the it's basically just the three stooges on the other side. Like the yeah, guys are interchangeable. You don't get to know any you don't really know any of their names. They're just kinda like, What, what, what? Like Kaniki, you gonna get some? You know, and it's just they they don't really have any personalities, but you really get to know the pink ladies. Marty Very is well. the she's the chick that's kind of over the high school boys girl. and she's hooking up with Marines and whatnot and she's just kind of like the daddy issues girl and then uh, what is it Jan is Marty it? Marty Jan no Jan and... is like the funny one that yeah like is... that they keep saying she's chubby which I'm well I, she's I, like I, yeah, yeah she's she's she likes to snack or whatever and yeah, then Rizzo's and you know the the bad she's bitch she's the best you know? one yeah she's the she's... and she's the glue you know and um and then Frenchie is like America's like best friend and she's uh, she's also mm-hmm. fifty years old. But but, but she I has like she Frenchie. has a full character arc. Like none of the yeah. guys besides Kaniki and Danny have a character arc like Frenchie's. And so, you know, the the girls are actually like fleshed out characters and the guys are just who cares? Wonderful wonderful character actors and I'm gonna go back on my little cause this is why I'm here because of classic film. But the principal of the school, Eve Arden was a huge movie star in the 30s, 40s, 50s in film noir and musical film. Um, an incredible actress. And she's the principal, and she's effortless. She's so good in that movie, and I love the coach. I think that Sid Caesar plays the Sid coach. Caesar. I mean, they got some heavy old Hollywood hitters for these character actors. Yeah, they're for and, the parents that are taking the kids to go see yeah, the movie. Yeah, yeah. You know. But I... Um, Can I ask you a question? I, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, why do you think America loves the 50s so much? It seems like all this stuff is always set in the 50s. Why do you think... What's America's fascination with Um. Well, you know, if you really want me to talk about it, it's... Uh, <laughs> it's a time... It's after World War II, um, the time, the way it's portrayed in uh, media and film is it's rebuilding. Everyone's making money. Everybody's having kids. Everybody's employed. Everybody's on their way up. Um, it, it's a very simple uh, time because it's just not TV hasn't come in. Um, it's just... Women were at home. I mean, it's the Donald Trump time. Well, and then the kids, Women. the 
also the teenagers are starting to be it seems at least through some of these movies that the teenagers are more they have stuff going on like they they're not just like they're they're doing other things besides just graduating high school and going into the workforce they're they have like grander interests and that they honestly there's more like teenage angst or teenage hood yes you know there's more there's yeah there's more of a separation because I think before that time, like I said, during World War II, it was everyone was in that together. And families, you know, this whole thing about rock and roll coming in and making a lot of change, there's a lot of truth to that because I think by the 1950s, that was the first time that kids were listening to different music than their parents. Up until that point, kids and parents were pretty much taking in the same forms of entertainment. And when the 50s came in, the kids started with rock and roll and entertainment and everything started going into their own, yeah. their own ways. And so it's a revolution. Generation gap. It was a teenage, teenage revolu- revolution. And that's why it's interesting. And that's why all this stuff is because you've got the, re- why... the rebellion against coach. You've got the oh, rebellion yeah. against. I mean, yeah. yeah, we could do. In fact, there's um, a movie that's in our 80s list somewhere. Where I'll say, you know, it's a complete ripoff of Rebel Without a Cause, which Mm -hmm. is done all the time because it's such a, it was such a turning point in film. And so that, you know, kids were, for the first time, they were saying, you know, shut up, Dad. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure it was going on, but it was like that, that um, generation gap was getting wider. And I think that the internet's done the same thing. You know, it's just... But I think people look back, always they look back at things, and it's better when they look back. The golden you know, the age general, thinking. Yeah, like Midnight in Paris totally nails it. You know, the other time is always better than the time you're in. So, yeah. What I do know you th- I'm going all over the place. What do you think, and this is where we'll end with Greece, which is a lot of yeah. fun. But what do you think yeah, the I best fashion... What do you think the best fashion image is that comes from this movie? The best fashion yeah. image? Yeah, what just all the things that are happening fashion-wise or costume-wise in this movie. Is there any particular well, one that's your favorite? For for 50s, I I mean, I love it all. I love that period for fashion for women and for men. But did you like um, the, the leather I that loved, she's wearing at I, the end? I see this is the thing that I you know, once again, I'm going to get on my high horse about that, is they are really, really accurate with the fashion all the way up to that ending sequence when she comes out. When she comes out, what she's wearing is late 70s disco. Okay. Those shiny, tight pants and those mule shoes, those mule shoes she has on, girls wore in the 70s. They're called candies. They're wood at the bottom. You, they, she was dressed for modern time in that last scene. See, but Up they do that, that point, but they do that a couple times, even with the music, like the, the intro to the song, the intro to the movie, where they do the cartoon over the top and the Grace stalker is channel. The word. That's yeah. a Bee Gees 70s song. Yeah. And then yeah. Oh, yeah. there's also like a Reba McIntyre <laughs> when Sandy hopelessly sings devoted. Hopelessly, devoted. hopelessly Devoted. And it's too, not yeah. like doo-wop 50s at all. No. But then obviously there's some there's some doo-wop 50s in there as well. So they, they kind of, with some of the references, they get all over the place. Like they, they wanted that 70s 
they wanted the 70s audience to still feel some of that. They didn't want to go full her, 50s. Yeah, her hair, everything about that last scene was completely late 70s. Yeah. But and he he pretty much is a caricature. I you know, if you look at his little cartoon at the beginning, he looks like that in, in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. He looks like that little cartoon with the chin, you know, his cleft chin and that black hair. I mean, he looks like he's in a 50s costume where um, I think that the girls wear their 50s clothes. It's more natural to them, to their characters. But, um, yeah, I love I love the Sandy before the makeover. I love all those skirts. The poodle and, skirts and, and the sweater. That. And I love the stuff that the pink ladies wear. I love all that. So, but I do, I do think that um, they took a lot of license, you know, to appeal to the young crowd that was going to the theater. So you'll see, um, you know, feathered hair and stuff mm-hmm. on a lot of the extras. They'll look like the '70s more than the '50s. I loved a couple of the things that happened in this movie that I thought were really cool. For most of them were Danny's looks. So I really like the tight black pants with the white tucked-in shirt. Yes, and then you do the, the 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 move with your hands where you curl your your hair at the top. Your the hair, that's yeah, a pretty badass tail. move. Uh, I also like the the pink socks during hand drive. Hand drive is probably my favorite moment. I just I, really like the competition, and I'm even like, you know what? If I were in that moment and my dancing partner, it's about to be the championship moment, and my dancing partner gets swept away, and someone with with equal skill set. Is, is there to, to, to kind of like help me finish oh, this. T- I'm going to do on it. Camera? And I, yeah. You and I know like would. a lot of people are like, Danny, what an asshole. He doesn't go after. It's like, what is he supposed to just leave his glory and his chance? And, and that's just me being self-centered. But I'm like, I'm, no, I'm I- finishing the dance with Cha-Cha from St. Bernadette's. And then I'm going to make an apology later. And it seemed to work out for Danny. So I just it think. It sure did. I just think I'm finishing the song. but And he and <laughs> um, she was a better dancer. Cha-Cha's I mean, a better dancer. St. Saint- Bernadette's. Nobody wants to see. <laughs> Nobody wants to see Sandy. Yeah. Nobody wants to see her. She's not born and a I, hand drive. <laughs> she's not born. The kangaroo. You box. know what's so? Another thing that I wrote down that I I always call to mind um, when I see this film now is how creepy that host is. Oh yeah, he's having the sex creepy with host the... with Marty. There's a lot of Marty, innuendo in this movie. Who's a teenage yeah, girl? That guy's having sex with a teenage girl. <laughs> There's, uh, Rizzo she, talks about doing gangbangs. There's I, all yeah. sorts of innuendo. Uh, just, even just the chicks of cream. You, you learn about what that means later, uh, oh, but my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's a lot of, it's a it's, lot of, um, it's a lot of date than, rape, yeah. a lot of date rape yeah. going on in that film. Anyway. Yeah. Which, you know, the, it's, it's the seventies being the fifties. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. So, but, but um, I like Danny's pink socks. With uh, pink, I, the 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 pink pocket square. I, badass, I badass. This, I love that outfit, and also I love when he does make an attempt to change himself. He's got the little sweater. When he his, joins yeah. the track team. He joins the track team, and or is it the basketball team? When he He's comes out in his no. pants, his pants are pulled up to his chin. I mean, yeah. everybody else is wearing the tiny shorts, and he's got his t-shirt sweats, tucked in yeah. he's not a, he's really not afraid to be himself which i think is and it shows his vulnerability it mm-hmm. i liked that character part right there where he tries to where he tries to well he both tries of them to yeah in. both of them tried to to 
change a little change. for the other person. But I don't but know. But obviously the slutty the slutty girl always wins. That is the moral of the story. Yeah, that's what the kids need to know. That's how you put your cigarettes out, girls. So Slutty girls always win. Great. Well, let's float off into the sky in our Corvette into the 80s. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And we will stop our conversation there and finish up on the next episode with the 80s, 90s, and into the 2000s. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And hop over to the other episode and listen to the rest of our fantastic conversation. Have a good one, guys. Bye.